When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's Sean and Steve here again, but it's not just Sean and Steve this time. We actually have Jimmy on for his first appearance on Across the Romaverse. So we have three-fourths of our paid CDT crew. So, Jimmy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. It's a beautiful day here in Massachusetts. And, Sean, how about you? Yeah, I'm very happy. I spent the weekend with family. So, uh, Steve, you've been doing all of the work on this and uh, just take it away. Yeah, I mean, I was on vacation up in Jimmy's neck of the woods last week at Cape Cod, so I uh, I didn't do too much work last week. I pre-wrote a lot of my uh, top top ten uh, under twenty three pieces ahead of time, but uh, I'm back and I'm I'm excited because I got back just in time for this big Tammy Abraham news, which is where we'll start. We got a lot of listener questions about Tammy and the Mercato, so uh, thanks to the listeners because you guys helped us write this episode. Pretty much your questions put it together nicely. So let's get right into Tammy, because that's the big news. Everybody was worried when Jekka was leaving, who would the striker be? You know, we heard names like Belotti, Skamaka, and tons of other names linked. But it's Abraham, who was originally linked with Atalanta. So this is kind of a coup for Roma in that sense, if Atalanta was seriously looking at him as a potential Zapata replacement, if if he did go to Inter, which I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. But uh, details of the move, the latest I saw. It's uh, 40 million euros plus bonuses uh, attached to, you know, how many appearances and certain objectives that Abraham has to meet. I'd imagine goal scoring, maybe, you know, table related things for Roma. Uh, And the payment is broken down across four years. So it's really spread out for Roma. Uh, Pinto not paying much money up front, only 5 million euros this season. Uh, And then he has to pay another 20 million in the summer of 2024 and 15 during this 24, 25 season, who knows if Abraham will even be here that long because there's a buyback for Chelsea of 80 million in the summer of 23. So by the time the money's due, Roma might be paying Chelsea their own money back if Chelsea decides to buy him back for double the price. Um, and it's reported he's been making about four and a half million net, which is a decrease on Jekko's salary, of course, which was a big reason why people wanted Jekko gone because Roma had to clear those books a bit. So 
Let's talk about your initial reactions to the move. Uh, I'll start with, start with you, Sean, and then we'll go to Jimmy. So what were your reactions when you saw this Abraham move? I was dead happy, and I made no secret of it. I know you guys you know, know that I was happy. Um, I just wanted, you know, it's not just about Abraham himself. It's about the fact that we already have Zaniolo and Eldor, um, and even, even Mayoral off the bench if you want. So we've got all fast guys in attack, and that, you know, this is a nice compliment to them, and they're a nice compliment to Abraham. And I'm just, I'm really happy that we have a front line that can really just take City out for all it's worth if, if this league plans to keep on high pressing and trying to win back the ball early or just hit them on the break. Yeah, Jimmy, what were your reactions to the move? Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it too. It seems to me like it's a kind of the perfect chance for both Abraham and Roma to kind of reset after uh, the Jaco relationship in the past six years. And although 40, I guess 45 million is a pretty steep fee for Roma, I think that is either at or very close to the highest transfer fee Roma's ever paid. Um, the fact that it's spread out up until 2025 makes it a whole lot more manageable. And it also makes it so that in the event that Chelsea does decide to buy back Abraham, I think that fee was 80 million euros, that Roma's making a pretty good profit. Like if they're not paying a lot of this fee until 2024, then they're just getting that $40 million. And I would assume that that will be balanced out from whatever's left to pay. Everything will balance out in that way. Um, I agree with Sean, though, that combining Shamuradov with uh, Zaniolo is going to be way more fluid and interesting to watch, I think, than what we got used to seeing, especially towards the tail end of Jaco's career with Rome in Roma. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens, but obviously, you know, he has to actually start training with the club first, which we're still waiting for. Yeah. I think uh, there's a forced quarantine. He's going back to London first, then coming back. So we, he might miss the first couple matches, but um, certainly I, I was excited about the move too. You know, I tweeted yesterday that I know there's a lot of critics of this move because of the price tag, but now seeing the way the price tag is broken down today, it's, it's even less of a gamble right away for Roma in their financial situation. You know, you get a young, talented, I'm sure hungry striker, lots of upside. And, you know, you combine him, like you guys said, with Zaniolo and Eldor, and, you know, they could be deadly on the break. Um, and we have the players in the back who can feed the ball in Mancini, Cristante. Those guys can play those balls in the break to them, Pellegrini. So could be exciting. We'll get into that, too. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a gamble worth taking, like you, like you guys said. You know, $40 is a lot for Roma. But the way the, the market has grown over the years, 40 million is not a huge sum nowadays. It, it's big for Roma, I guess. But if the if everything goes according to plan and within the next four years, Roma will be a consistent Champions League club, maybe with a stadium on the way, if the Freakins have it their way. So maybe that money isn't so much in the in the near future. Um I do I do understand people's apprehension about the buyback clause. So I, I know you're asking us this question based off uh, Totti the Goat three, mm -hmm. and he, he specifically wants to know. You know what our thoughts were on the buyback clause, and we, we discussed it before we got on air. And I was just reading about Barcelona's downfall on the you know their finances and how they're a mess right now. And there's an article written by Simon Cooper on Financial Times, the FT uh, here in Britain, and uh, he made a good point about when Barcelona collected 200 million off of ne uh, the Neymar deal from PSG. Um, he said that you know when you get such a big amount of money. Um, yes, we're here talking right now about how Roma are paying 40 million in stage payments. But if Roma were to get back 80 million from Chelsea, you wouldn't get back 80 million straight away. It would be again in stage payments. Uh, but that you know, other clubs in, in Italy or around the world 
they don't know that or they don't care. All they read is that you made a, a giant you know, sale, 80 million, and you need a replacement for Abraham because he, by that time, assumed that he's doing well. Um, and so the, the price for his replacement goes up. I have to overpay yet again. So yeah, they, they need to be in the Champions League for, for this move to be justified, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the Champions League is certainly the objective. You're going to need that money down the, down the road. But I'm, I'm even thinking, you know, two years down the road, if Lukaku is doing what Lukaku is supposed to do at Chelsea, are they willing to invest $80 million in another striker at that point uh, from Chelsea's yeah. perspective? So I think it's a I think, you know, this is probably the only way Roma could have gotten this move over the line without, you know, Chelsea maybe jacking up the fee more to try to, you know, give him that carrot. You know, if you want him back, you could have him back at some point, but it's almost double what they're paying. So I think in the long run, even if those payments are broken up and deferred, I think it's still good business for Roma. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I mean, also, I think it's important to place this into context of the rest of the Mercato for uh, Serie A so far. Um, I think by far, Abraham is the largest transfer that's been made this summer, at least transfer in to Italy. Um, And that to me seems like a pretty strong signal of intent from the club uh, and from Mourinho himself. I mean, we have to assume, right, that Mourinho is working pretty closely with the club on a transfer this big. Um, there were rumors saying that he was calling Abraham during the process, trying to convince him to come to Rome. Uh, and considering how much other clubs gave up over the course of the past month or two, um, it doesn't seem that unreasonable to look at the upcoming season and say Champions League places are within reach. Um, and I think that if the Gialarossi are able to put themselves in the position where they can now consistently get back into the top four like they were through most of the 2010s, then they're going to be in a great position going forward, not only if they want to complement Abraham with more purchases down the line, which will obviously be necessary. I think we'll, we'll need a new goalkeeper. We'll need a couple other positions to be shored up once we get the Champions League football. But even if he's sold for that $40 million extra down in two seasons from now, having had Champions League football for the two seasons before that would be critical in selling a striker of comparable or greater quality on coming to Rome saying, look what we did with Tammy Abraham. He was successful here. We can make that happen with you. So even if we lose him in the summer of 2023, which is when that uh, clause starts, um, I think that if things go right, it shouldn't be that hard to replace him in the long term. Yeah, that's a good point. So you you also get more strikers competing to sign for Roma, which which could essentially drive the price down because you get, you know, get feeling frenzy basically so sorry yeah. steve go ahead yeah no i was gonna say that's a good point too especially with abraham being an englishman and you know englishmen are often looked at as they don't want to leave the premier league too often and for good reason because the premier league they make the most money it's got the most prestige and things like that but you know if you want steady to become a destination we've seen so much talent leave the league this year to paul uh left the league you know uh donnarumma we've seen these guys leave the league um we and saw, we saw the city mvp leave the league <laughs> yeah, Lukaku, uh, you know, these guys all left the league. And, you know, who knows if Vlaovic will go and some of these other names have been linked with other clubs. Um, so it's good to see a young talent come to the league because Serie A is going to need to replace some of those talents that have left. So, you know, he could be a young, exciting player, make a name for himself outside of England, which is something not a lot of English players have done in recent years. Yeah, and I mean, you might you might think of this as just like, you know, press speech speak. But when I looked at uh, Lukaku's kind of going away message to Inter fans after his move to Chelsea, I thought it was interesting. He said all the lovely things that you obviously say after having that many successful seasons with a club like Inter, but he called moving back to Chelsea, the chance of a lifetime. And 
I think that if Serie A on the whole wants to be more successful, it's got to get to the point where there's not just one player like Lukaku in the league, who's obviously incredible. Um, and you've got to be able to make it clear to anyone that moving to Serie A, moving to any of the top four or five or six clubs in Serie A is the chance of a lifetime, just like it is to move to, you know, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United. If that, that's the way that um, Serie A is going to be able to get back on par with the Premier League, not by having two or three clubs that are excellent, but by having six clubs that are really, really good and fighting for those Champions League spots tooth, tooth and nail. Yeah, I think I think we're at risk of answering all the questions before we read them out. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'll jump ahead a little bit because Jimmy mentioned a signal of intent. That was one of the things I had in the outline. I agree. I think it's a signal of intent from the front office and, uh, you know, Pinto trying to fortify a squad for Mourinho. Sean, do you agree? Um, I, I, half and half, really. Um, I'm looking at the question just before that um, from Aristo MPO. I hope I said his username correctly. Uh, where he says we ha- we heard all these names, fans all they had have their, all their favorites, and yet out of nowhere, Tammy becomes Mourinho's must-have, and Pinto goes to get it done. What do you think it is about Tammy that Mourinho sees in him and prefer to proceed with rather than uh, Moise Ken, uh, Andrea Bellotti, etc.? Yeah, not, not trying to take your role here, Steve, but just mm-hmm. that that question in particular was ringing in the back of my head because uh, I think that gets to the, the the other side of this transfer is that it's it's actually very opportunistic when you look at it. Um, when you look at the Jekko transfer and the Roma's official statement on, on why Jekko left, they said that Jekko made it known to the club that he just wanted to go. And that fits in, in line with uh, Pierre Torri's uh, reporting of the deal before it happened in the week before uh, from Israel Minister, where he said, suddenly, you know, Jekko just shocked Mourinho and everyone at the club by saying, you know what, I quite fancy a move to Inter Milan. So this looks like a reactionary move that it, you know, this club, you know, the club, maybe they scouted Abraham weeks before, um, but they weren't necessarily planning to move on him until Jekko, it was clear Jekko was going to leave. And then you have obviously Thiago Pintos, the youngest guy at the club. He's got, he's under enough pressure already. He doesn't want to just be known as the guy who let Edin Jekko walk out the club. He's got to cover his bases. Um, so I, when you say signal of intent, I don't know. It, it uh, in in many ways, it looks like a reactionary move. It doesn't doesn't dampen my enthusiasm for the move, but uh, it looks like it's a reaction from Jacko leaving. Yeah, uh, but I think um, in terms of the question where it says that Tammy quickly became someone that Mourinho wanted, I think the characteristics are the type of characteristics Mourinho is probably looking for in a striker at this point. The guy who's gonna, you know, be good on the break, the number nine who can put goals in the net, and and things like that. Um, and I think in terms of signal of intent, it's just that they spent the money. You know, they didn't go and get some cut rate striker just to fill a position. Um, they And they didn't just say, you know what, we have Borja on the roster. We, we bought Shamorad off. Let's just stand pat. Because clearly, I, I don't think Mayoral is going to have that big of a role this year based on what we're seeing. Um, and they, I guess they wanted to appease Marino in a way, you know, get him what he wants so that he can't say, you know, well, I didn't have a striker my first season. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of cut rate strikers, um, there were, I saw, I see a couple questions regarding Andrea, why we didn't sign Andrea Bellotti instead. Um, this has been kind of my hobby horse for the past couple of weeks when people have been saying, why don't we just, you know, pay what Urbano Cairo wants, uh, for Bellotti and just get it over with as much as this might've been a totally opportunistic moment for Tiago Pinto to say, we're going to sign Tammy Abraham now that we're losing Jacob's salary. Um, 
I do think it's significant that he didn't just go out and like listen to Cairo's demand for, which I think he's been listing at $30 million or euros for the past uh, season or two. Like, even though that contract is winding down, he's still demanding the same exact fee. Um, and I think that's a really good sign, honestly. Uh, Bellotti has a lot of supporters in the Roman media. Um, people have been telling, have been clamoring for Roma to sign him for season after season. And the fact that Tiago Pinto went and found someone who doesn't necessarily fit the profile of what everyone was expecting as Roma's replacement at striker, and also someone who's shown more over the past two seasons at least than I think Bellotti really has, um, particularly at the Euros. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that Italy won at the Euros, but it was not because of their striker play at all. Um, and so I think that signing Keane instead of, a, I mean, signing uh, Abraham instead of Belotti or any of these other strikers that were named as potential either Jico supplements or replacements before shows that they're not just going to listen to the rumor mill. And also that maybe the rumor mill doesn't really know what's going on inside the freaking group just yet. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, you know, almost everything Rome has done so far, Mercato-wise, front office-wise, has been very hush-hush under the Freakins, and it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And, you know, Jimmy was referring to a question from Majin Tenshi that, you know, said Roma apparently offered 15 plus three for Belotti. But if Cairo is asking for 30 for a guy who's out of contract in a year and I think is 28 years old, why not splash the extra 10 million euros for a player who might fit the profile better, who might have a higher upside? I've been someone who's wanted Belotti for a few years, but yeah, Jimmy's right at the Euros. Belotti did not play well at all in his role. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe he is a guy who fits better at a club like Torino where he's the, the big fish in a smaller pond rather than, you know, a guy on a bigger club. So who knows? Um, so, you know, moving back to Abraham's fit, we have a couple of questions about how he fits into the squad. Um, so at Daring Dirigible asks, given his late arrival and pending quarantine, et cetera, can we even expect anything of him before the winter break? Uh, what do you think, Jim? I'll go to you first this time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to temper expectations, at least for, you know, the first month or so uh, when he has to quarantine and get used to the tactics. I mean, playing in Serie A is very different from playing in the Premier League. I think we can agree, agree on that. At the same time, I think that it would be kind of crazy not to expect at least a little bit of something. I'm hoping that we're not seeing a re rehash of Jaco's first season um, with Abraham, just because I know how the Roman media and how many Romanisti are going to react if he doesn't just start banging in goals left and right the moment he steps on, steps on the field. Um, I think that we can expect something of him. I think that if things are going well with the club and he integrates quickly, I could see him, you know, having a pretty good season. Do I think he's going to be a capo canoniere overnight? I doubt it. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that's why you sign a 23, almost 24 year old striker. If you're Roma, you don't, you don't sign him instead of a Belotti or a guy closer to the age of 30, um, because you're expecting him to be of that quality right now. You're, you're buying him for now and for later, but the now isn't necessarily going to be as good as the later becomes. Yeah. Sean, what do you think? You agree? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't disagree. I, I think. I think daring dirigible dirigible's question, sorry, um, where it weighs on my mind is the lack of preseason uh, for some players when they get signed in August. But that usually is more of a concern with defensive players rather than attacking players, um, because you know in preseason you really, especially with a new coach, you're, you're drilling in, you know how you expect your your fullbacks to to pressure the ball when when people are coming at you. You're drilling like how you play the offside trap or not. 
um, you're drilling in whether you press or not. And you know, we've seen in preseason that Roma aren't aren't going to be a high pressing side under Mourinho, not at least not when they don't have the ball. So that really leaves the you know, there hasn't really been a, like a, a kind of like a idea of oh well, we're going to attack in this way specifically, and everyone's prepared for that. And then Tammy Tammy Abraham's coming in late in the day and doesn't know what the plan is. Doesn't really seem like there is a plan to attack. It seems like that's really um, give, like handed over to the players to, to sort it out amongst themselves. Um, so the lack of preseason, I think, is less of an issue with someone like Abraham. Where it is an issue is that you know, if you have if you're relying on individual quality up front to sort it out amongst themselves about you know how we're going to move, how we're going to score, who we're going to pass it to, uh, you have to be able to win over your teammates. And Abraham doesn't speak a word of the language. Mm. Um, he's in a new country, new city. So that you know that takes some some time to get used to. I think that's where Roma have the long term in mind in terms of getting Abraham uh, acclimatized in his first season. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's going to be a transition there, especially from a cultural standpoint, language standpoint. Hopefully, having a guy like Smalling there will help. You know, another Englishman who can help him acclimate a bit. And um, you know, I'm sure plenty of the players speak enough English to communicate with him on the pitch. A lot of that's become the you know lingua franca of our day now. So plenty of the players speak some English at least, um, and should be able to help that transition at least some of the on the pitch language. And Mourinho too is you know fluent in both languages since he spent so much time managing in English. So that should help uh, the transition from the on the pitch standpoint. Uh, we had a, a similar question from son of Ferragamo who said, Tammy's highly touted, but the truth is he averaged only 47 minutes per game in the EPL last season and just 17.5 touches with a lot of exclamation points next to that. Uh, yes. Ankle injuries played a role. He averaged 40 minutes in Chelsea's three friendlies this summer. Is he ready to play significant minutes of top flight football? Well, I'm, I'm going to just read off some stats here because I know last year, once Tuchel arrived is when he really saw a decline in his playing time from what I've heard. But the year before under Frank Lampard, I mean, the guy scored 15 goals, uh, averaged 0.61 goals per 90, which is a, a solid return. Um, even last year when he at, went in those, those few minutes, his six goals was a goal, um, half a goal per match. So the, the numbers are pretty good in terms of the, the goal scoring. And then if you go back, obviously when he played for Villa, that was in the championship. It wasn't the premier league, but he, he banged in 25 goals and three assists and averaged 0.72 goals per 90. So those are good scoring returns. He's had good scoring returns at a lot of the stops in his young career so far. Um, So I think he's, he's perfectly ready to to play significant minutes. I'll I'll go to Sean first. And then Jimmy, what do you guys think? I think he's ready, but does he need to be Uh, this wrong front line is stacked. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's, if he, he doesn't necessarily light it up for for one half, we've got Meral off the bench who, you know, he won't look out of place. Um, and then if if any if somehow that front four doesn't cut it, then you've got McTaren from behind who can get pushed up, and Pellegrini can get pushed up as well. Um, you know we've we've got options, so that that's nice that we have that ability to take the pressure off Abraham in that way. Um, I'm not too worried about whether he hits the ground running or not. Obviously, the media will feel differently with the price tag, but you know, that's another that's another story. Jim, yeah, and to kind of tack onto that, I also think that something that's being kind of underrated. And I've seen a lot of people write about how, oh, this basically means we're not going to sign Mayoral or he's just going to rot on the bench or something like that. Especially if Abraham takes a little while to, you know, get in and really gel with the squad. This is also going to be a pretty big chance for the two other players that can really play at striker, um, Shamuradov and Mayoral, to play and get some serious minutes while he's getting his feet under him. Um, I don't think that it's going to take that long for Tammy to become the de facto starting striker. But at the same time, Roma's playing three competitions right now. Um, And I could see 
Mourinho saying to Mayoral, okay, you're going to get to play in the European Conference League. Have at it. Um, or something like something along those lines, divvying up the minutes so that nobody's just, you know, sitting on the bench doing absolutely nothing. Um, I think he's ready for significant minutes. Uh, as Sean and Steven said, he's had success at a lot of clubs that, and let's be honest, Aston Villa, even in the championship, probably has more pressure on you than some Serie A clubs. Uh, so I think that on the whole, I think he's probably ready to play it. It's more just a question of how long it's going to take for him to kind of fit in with the club. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And I think you're right too, with the conference league, it gives perfect opportunities for guys like Borja to get starts at striker and and save minutes because you're not going to want to wear out any of the players, even the young guys at this point. Um, You know, it's not the champions league. So um, in, t- in terms of what changes from Jekko, we had a question from Isaac Jacobson. Do you think we're stronger, better off changing Jekko to Tammy? I'll start with you this time, Sean. What do you think on that? Uh, it remains to be seen. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> hope we are. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I, I wanted a pacey front line and I wanted a, a poacher striker because uh, I, I, I just think that the Jekko years weren't necessarily again I'm not my focus isn't necessarily strictly on Jacko in isolation it's about who you surround him with um, now we'll, we'll never know if Eldor was a good enough you know inside forward to, to play off Jacko and run in behind and, and score uh, we also never found out about Zaniolo in that sense because unfortunately you know Zaniolo has been out for the last two seasons um, and just coming into his prime now uh, but you know so it's just the frustration of having like surrounding Jacko with guys that either were too raw uh, green, unprepared, or just, you know, had flaws in their games. Like, you know, Ashwari, okay, he can score, uh, you know, great individual goals, but not necessarily the, the, the greatest guy to, in terms of one-twos and link-up and timing his runs. It's, you know, he's not he's not that guy. Uh, Perotti, you know, couldn't score, um, was a great hold-up hold up player, great ball carrier, but you know, not not a complete inside forward. So um, I hope we're better off this way, where we, we're not gambling on... Um, the inside forwards make you know capitalizing on chances you know like like pretty much what jimmy just said if eldor doesn't you know skyrocket straight away guess what we've got boha or or abraham or zaniola to carry the weight and and it, it applies equally across the board with these four players so I'm, I'm happy with that yeah jim anything you want to add yeah i would also just add that okay this is not to be too down on jacob because i have enjoyed his six seasons with rome i, I thought he was fantastic um but at the same time, it's not like every single season he was, you know, banging in 20 goals guaranteed. Uh, there were seasons where he scored less than 10 goals in Serie A. Um, and I, if when, I, though? Re- yeah. Yeah. When? Uh, I, let me, let only, me only, only last season. At, well, la- I mean, la- yeah, he's, it's not, he's getting older. Like, I, maybe, I, I, I don't maybe, think. Maybe I, I'm I wrong, think... but I, I only remember the last season being that, that, that. This is what I think is underrated about Jacko. Even in the first Fonseca season when people were saying he was declining, he still registered double figures in the league and even in assists as well. I'm not denying that he was a great striker for Roma. That's not, that, that, that's not really up for debate in my mind. I'm more saying that like looking forward looking even to this season, like I don't really think that even Inter knows hundred percent what they're going to get from Jaco this season. Like yeah. do, I, I don't think that they think he's going to be, a like for like Lukaku replacement because I don't really first of all there's not no such thing but yeah. second of all I I don't think he's probably likely to 
break 15. Like, I don't think he's going to be getting 15 to 20 goals for Inter next season, unless he really has a, a rebirth. Um, so given that, I'm not really sure that there's much of a chance for a decline from what we saw last season with Jico, unless Abraham really doesn't gel. Um, I think that he could probably equal um, Jaco's goal scoring tally this season. I think yeah, that on, that's a reasonable, on, I think that's a reasonable last, goal for him. On the basis of the last season, I'm in full agreement with you. At, at that yeah. point, I, was, I agreed Jaco was past it. So, yeah. 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 So I have the numbers from Jaco's six seasons in the league. Um, first season, we know he struggled eight goals, did have six assists. So 0.37 goals per 90. Then was the Capocaniere season, 29 goals, nine assists, you know, uh, otherworldly. You know, nobody expects anything like that from most strikers. Um, and then we had 16 goals, three assists in EDF's first season, uh, nine goals, six assists in the second. So uh, 0. Okay. 0.31 goals in that season also. Then he had 16 goals, seven assists, uh, half a goal every 90 minutes. And then last season, very poor, seven goals, three assists, 0. 0.35. Right. So he was very up and down. Um, was, you know, yeah, I was so, wrong. Timmy's right. Yeah, so if um, if Tammy can match his half a goal a game output from Chelsea last season, then, um, you know, you're, you're looking at probably a 10 to 15 goal scorer, definitely surpassing what Jekyll did a lot of seasons, you know, not a lot of seasons, but half his seasons in Rome. So, you know, a 10 goal season would be an upgrade on some of Jekyll's seasons for sure. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, with the age, would would Jekyll have broken more than 10 this season? I don't know. If Roma's trying to play quick, fast break football on the counter and absorb pressure, I, I think Tammy's definitely a better fit at this point. So are Shamordoff yeah. and those players. Um, I, but I think Jimmy makes a good point. It's a matter of how quickly he can acclimate to the team in the league that ultimately sees how quickly he becomes maybe, I don't know about an upgrade, but a better fit in, at, at the very least. And I think that's why Jekyll more or less wanted to leave. He's still, he's still yeah. rising on the wall. You know, this, this club has a way of making players feel unwelcome without telling them to their face. You know, when Paolo Fonseca switches to three at the back and, you know, okay, we're going to, we're going to focus on trapping the ball in the half and then we're going to run, you know, 70 yard sprint on the break. And that's going to be our main way to goal. You know, and then Jack is not stupid. He, he knows yeah. even if someone's told him, okay, you're, you're not, you know, they're saying you're the captain of your first team. Really the, the team is built to work against you. So yeah, that's what you said. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. What's, Go ahead, Jim. One thing I would just add is that I hope that people don't do the kind of direct comparisons that were made after that Nangolin plus for Centon plus Cash plus Zaniolo swap that happened a couple seasons back where people were directly like Zaniolo blew up and everyone was like, oh, wow, Monkey Monchi really robbed uh, uh, Inter or something like that. Because the situation, like if we're going to just directly compare Abraham to Jaco all the time, which I'm sure a lot of people are, um, but I don't think that's like an accurate way to compare i don't think we should be comparing the two like jaco at inter is going to be playing a different role than abraham mm -hmm. in roma and i think that expecting either of them like comparing either of them next season is kind of useless in my opinion because abraham is obviously a longer term project for roma and jaco is older he's on the like he, one way or another i think he's on the decline and so expecting him saying that he's a failure for example for inter if he doesn't score 15 goals I think or like replicate Lukaku in any way shape or form would be kind of ridiculous just like I don't think saying that Abraham not matching like Jekyll's Capo Canoniere season straight out the gate is like a failure on Roma's part I think that especially with Abraham it's going to be a longer term project you know or matching Jekyll's defensive corner defensive headers from corners or matching you know Jekyll's through ball 
through ball rate from from the middle of the pitch. You know, we're not expecting that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they're different different players. Um, but I, I, it's funny you mentioned the defensive headers because I saw one of the pl- places that on, on NFB reference he rated in the in this is Tammy Abraham in the top like when best percentile was his clearances for a striker was in the ninety fourth oh, really? percentile. Yeah, um, oh, one point three five per ninety. He wins a decent number of aerials, so he he can bring some of that, but he's not going to be as physical. And and you're right, different player. Um, so we had a couple of questions from Pietro Rito, MF 16. We already kind of answered the one about Meyer all getting more playing time in the conference league, but the other guy affected is Shamoradov. So with Tammy being our new starting striker, where does Shamoradov play on the field? We also had a, a couple other Shamoradov related questions. Uh, one from our, our listener, Jody at AN Jody 17. He also asked, uh, what do you think the consistent theme of our attack will be involving those two? Will they be playing together for most of the games or will one come to substitute the other mid game? Um, so what do you think, Jim? Well, I think honestly, one of the more interesting things that could happen in the beginning of the season as Abraham is, you know, trying to get fit, get fit into the side would be what happens if Shamuradov gets on a hot streak. Cause it looks like he's our starting striker, at least for right now, like in all the friendlies he's been starting. Um, and for all we know, Mourinho might just decide to change it to Mayoral out the gate. We don't know who he's going to be picking for his starting 11 yet. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that there is potential for a situation where Shamuradov gets hot and we don't know how to fit Abraham in and maintain that hot streak that Shamuradov develops. I'm not too worried, though, long term about how he fits in with Abraham. I think uh, Sean already talked about this at one point or another, the idea of Eldor on the left with uh, Abraham in the middle and Zaniolo on the right and just kind of interchanging so that at certain points Eldor is more actually in the middle role even though you know the team sheet says he's playing on the left um long term I think that's the solution though short term I am kind of interested to see how Mourinho reacts if one of his new strikings striker signings gets hot before the newest signing can really get you know gelled in yeah what do you think Sean uh I think it depends on the game, really. This is something mm-hmm. that depends largely on circumstance. And I, I hope, like, I think it's either Steve or Jimmy that said earlier on in, in the episode um, that the front line is very fluid. You know, I, I hope that we see a lot of games where um, a, lot of, a lot of people make the mistake of pressing us in our own half. And then it's really just a case of who, uh, who you want to pass it to, who's running off the last, you know, the shoulder of the last defender on the break. And whoever, you know, you could, you could pass it down the left flank, pass it down the middle, you could pass it on the right. I know that Chelsea fans have told us that Abraham often likes to veer to the left so that he can then cut in and shoot on his right foot. Um, so I, probably is Abraham, you know, shifting out left slightly, like, you know, Immobile, uh, Zapata style in Serie A, and Eldor then uses that to, to run in from the left through the middle. I don't know. It, it really, it, it, there's so many variables and it's really dependent on circumstance. But I, I hope that, that my answer is I, I hope that there's just a fluid front three or four. Yeah. And I, I think um, I don't view Eldor as an out and out striker. I think he, he was brought in to, to fill multiple roles because even at Genoa, he played in a two striker system. Every time he played, it was either off of Pandev. Uh, Skamaka or Destro last year they they always had some combination of those two in their formation um, you know so we even had Vittorio Taroni ask if we think that two center forwards could be a, a viable option because leaving two of the three including Myrall on the bench would be a, a waste of goal scoring talent in his opinion 
But I, I think you're right. I think it depends on the match. Maybe there are some matches that Mourinho will go to a two-striker system if he sees the need or in-game go to a two-striker system. But I think having Shimordov also frees up Mkhitaryan a little bit to get some rest when needed. Pellegrini could get more rest because then Mkhitaryan could shift to the middle in those matches. Because we saw the issues Roma had with fatigue and injuries last year, and you don't want another uh, Spinazzola situation where you just run a guy into the ground and then, you know, Pellegrini has a muscle issue. He's already... I think questionable for these first couple of matches. Mkhitaryan started to wear down. If you keep Mkhitaryan fresh by playing Eldor out wide left or El Shirari out wide left some matches, it, it just makes the team better in the long run. There's a lot of matches. It's not as compressed as last season, but it's still a lot of matches if you make a deep run in the Conference League and then the Copa comes around the new year and all those other things. So I, th- I think it'll be a lot of man management from Mourinho. Um, and I think a guy like Shimordov, if he's coming off the bench some matches, he's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to complain to Mourinho. You know, he's going to respect Mourinho's decisions. He came off the bench a lot at Genoa last season. So if he has to be the impact guy off the bench once Tammy starts going and he's not maybe not scoring the goals himself, I think he'd be okay with that. I think it's uh, managing the personalities a bit too, you know. You know, I think one of the things with Jekyll was Jekyll had to be a starter because he was the veteran. He was the captain at one point. It almost felt like he had to be a starter sometimes. Whereas now, you know, I know Tammy's going to expect to start a lot, but if there's matches, Shamordov's hot, play Shamordov. Or if you want to play some other combination, I think you're right. There's a fluid front three, four, if you want to include Mikatarin and maybe Pellegrini drops back in the midfield some matches even. I think there's a lot of different combinations that become available because of the flexibility of a player like Shamordov and guys like that. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's go to expectations because we have a couple listener questions related. So what do you guys think? And this is um, Pietro Rizzo again. What do you think it has to be for Abraham to have this be considered like a, a good first season? What's like a solid first season from Abraham for you? Golden boot or nothing. You're saying golden boot. <laughs> Otherwise, get out of my club. Get out. <laughs> more, a little more realistically. <laughs> um, I think that uh, he's going to have a lot of built-in goals for himself, which I think is commendable he's obviously going to be trying to get onto that world cup team uh for england and to do that i would have to imagine that reaching double digit goals is a must um i think that's probably one that he's going to set up and i think it's probably one that the club expects too i think that's probably a reasonable goal to set just because he can have even if he has like a month or two where he's clearly just getting used to surroundings i mean under nearly cracked double digit goals in half a season um players can players can crack double digit goals over the course of two-thirds to three-quarters of a season so that gives him some time to definitely adjust to his new surroundings um I think that 10 goals and really just giving the looking the part of being like Roma's striker uh for the long term is what I'm hoping to see out of Abraham I'm not expecting a capo canonieri uh performance just yet um I, I hope in the long term that happens but you know baby steps yeah I think double digit goals is reasonable um considering he should get a decent amount of minutes but I think you know even when you break it down depending on how many minutes he gets if he hits somewhere in that half a goal a mat you know 90 minutes scenario like he's been pretty consistent with his career if you're getting a half a goal out of him you know he's scoring every other match or so it's a pretty decent return for a guy who's transitioning leagues um so I think 10 to 15 goals depending on how much he plays between all the competitions would be a, a reasonable you know return for his first season um, we had a question from at Plum Pickens, and he is not the first one I've seen kind of make this comparison on social media. He says, why should I have faith in Abraham when the memory of Patrick Schick is so fresh? Uh, 
seems like Tammy needed significant convincing. And I recall Rick saying he wants to play for Man United Real Madrid before the ink was dry in his Roma contract. Lots of parallels for me. Um, I'll start with this one because I, I see where this is coming from. It's a similar price tag, young up and coming striker type type profile. But I think to me, and I don't know if you guys agree, the biggest difference here, even though Tammy needed some convincing, because guess what? The kid's leaving his, his native country, doesn't speak the Italian language, isn't familiar with Italy. It, that, that's a big life decision. So the fact that he needed some convincing to leave and maybe give up on the Arsenal dream doesn't surprise me for a 24-year-old kid, just about 24. Yeah. Um, and then with the, the Schick comparison, when we brought in Schick, we still had Jekko in his prime coming off a of Capo Cananiere season. I don't think EDF really knew what to do with Schick because he wasn't playing a two-striker system. He wanted to play his 4-2-3-1 or 4-3. What was he playing? 4-3-3, Sean? 4-3-3 yeah. when he came in. So Schick kind of was like, well, we have this kid who's a good up-and-coming striker, but we have a Capo Canigliere. Where are we going to give him the minutes? That's when Jekko was playing like every match. So to me, that's the big difference. I mean, the elephant in the room about why he might have been less than eager to come to Italy is also that Lukaku, for all the praise he got and for the huge ability that he showed while at Inter, also got a lot of racist stick um, one way or the other. Um, I mean, I still remember that Black Friday thing with uh, Smalling. And so it's it, sometimes correctly, sometimes not. Serie A has the reputation of not necessarily being welcoming to black footballers. So I can't imagine that he didn't think about that at least a little bit and why that might've been why he was a little more on the fence. Um, but going back a little bit to why he's different than Schick, which I agree with, I don't think it's a very similar transfer except for the fee. Um, Schick was played out of position most of the time when he was at, in Ro- at Roma. Um, and that's because of Jaco and Jaco's gone and Mourinho clearly wanted him whereas Di Francesco didn't really know what to do with him and be able to include both Schick and Jekko on the field. Um, I also think that Chick just didn't have the history that Abraham already has of scoring, if not for a top flight team for many, many seasons, a uh, top flight te- team for two seasons and going out on loan to the championship and having no trouble finding the net. Um, I looked this up. So yeah, Chick had one 11 goal season with Sampdoria before he bought him. And before that, he was perform- playing for clubs like in like next to no name, like Prague clubs. Like it's fantastic that he was been able to turn it around and was one of the top scorers at the Euros, but we were buying way more of an unknown in Schick than we ever have been in buying Abraham. And I think that this 40 million valuation of Abraham is definitely a risk for Roma, but it's not necessarily as much of a shot in the dark or banking on one good season as that purchase of Schick obviously was. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Sean? I think I think Schick just couldn't handle it. I think the um the the reason like the the alibis we give him for not succeeding in Rome are overplayed. Like uh, you know, Jimmy mentions that Schick played for you know clubs back in Czech Republic, um, and yeah, I definitely agree that that's a different background from Abraham. But Jekyll also played in the Czech Republic before he had to come to Italy, so um, it's not. I don't really. I think it's overplayed that Jekyll stood in Schick's way rather than actually was a, a guy who was well positioned to actually help them settle in. Because you know, Jekyll had that same career path and and even spoke Czech. So, you know, he 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 could help Schick. And, and he really did try. He did try. You know, like he there were games where we played Schick up front and we got Jekyll to peel back and move deep to make space for him. And it still didn't happen. Um, you know, as as much as uh, you know, we say 
we don't know what what Schick's, uh, what, what we Schick might have been played out of position. No one actually really knows what Schick's best position is because for, yeah. for, his, for his nation, he plays as an outright centre forward. You know, at club level, he plays in the front too, like Steve said. Um, it's it's just like we we put a lot of expectation on him and we, we put him in a position, I feel, to succeed because um, in that 4-3-3, okay, uh, it wasn't actually, you know, dead on 4-3-3. You, you meant to have Schick drifting in from the right to, to get goals and that, that he was in that position to do that. Well, Anyone was in that position to do that from the right because he had Kolarov, you know, constantly like uh, carrying the ball up the left flank. So you just have to switch flanks and who's on the right to score, either Schick or whoever. Um, yeah, it, it just didn't happen that way because Schick mentally wasn't ready for the pressure that you that you that you get when you're you know the club's record signing in, in a city yeah. like Rome. Um, whereas like like you know like Jimmy points out, Abraham comes from a background where he's going to be more prepared for that because he's he's used to the scrutiny. In England, so it's you know it's not such a big culture clash in terms of uh, expectation, um, and also the other you know being very pedantic about Plupikin's question. The other major difference is that okay, Schick wanted to sign for Real Man United, Real Madrid. Abraham only wanted to sign for Arsenal, so you know he, he doesn't he doesn't have grand ambitions of seeing himself as like the biggest kid in the world. He just it, like his his hesitation was just about wanting to play for his boyhood club that's mm-hmm. all and it, it took less than a week to convince him yeah that's a good point too um a little different than you know signing a contract saying hey, I'm, I'm just here as a stopover before i go yeah. to madrid or manchester um so we're gonna get a little bit more into the the rest of the mercato in a minute but i'll i'll, I'll put jazzy wally a threes tr- tweet out there first because he asked do you think that th- if uh, I'm going to shorten his tweet and just say, do you think this club right now with the Abraham signing is good enough for top four is pretty much what he asked, or would it be a miracle on Mourinho's part to get us there with this squad right now? What, what do you think, Sean? Uh, neither. It, it wouldn't be a miracle. I just think that right now it's not, a top, it's not a top four team, like by rights, if we're talking about like, you know, squad value um, specifically, it's really at this point, a top six team. It's, it's one signing short of a top four contender. Um, but if Mourinho manages to beat the odds, it's not like he beats, you know, major odds and performs miracles. He, he's just done well. What about you, Jim? I think Juventus and Inter should basically expect to be top four. I think other than that, there are four or five teams that will be around there. And I think that Roma is in that tier right below that. Um, and I'm even not that confident on Inter. So I think it's going to be very tight for the foreseeable future for all of those Champions League spots. So I can't confidently say that Roma will be a top four team. I think that they're going to be very close to that at the very least. Yeah, I agree. I'm in the same boat. I don't, I think it'd be, a, I, it wouldn't be a miracle in any way, shape or form because there's not four clear cut favorites at this point. And from what I've seen on the Mercato, nobody's really improved themselves that much. Um, and I think, uh, you know, but Roma's in that mix and I think it's going to be tight like last year going into the, you know, final weeks. I think this time it might be seven teams instead of six because Roma kind of fell out of it in like February when things went off the rails. But if they stick around, I think it's going to be a, a fun season. Um, so Toti Goat 3 asked again, do you think this is the last sum- signing of the summer? Well, we'll discuss that when we come back from our commercial break because we're going to get into the rest of Roma's Mercato. So stick with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, and we're back. Okay, so we talked all about the Tammy Abraham move, uh, biggest one of the the summer for Roma so far. Um, you know, so far they've brought in Rui Patricio in goal to replace Paul Lopez. Uh, Shamoradov, who we've discussed on past pods, Matias Vigna, who finally made his Roma debut after that long quarantine uh, at left back. He's the replacement for Spinazzola while he's out with the, um, you know, Achilles injury and now Tammy Abraham. So far, and correct me if I'm wrong if I leave anybody out, but I think the only definite outgoing move so far have been Paul Lopez, Changi Zunder, and Justin Kluivert. Did I miss anybody? Or are those only three so far? Uh, only like Primavera players. Like yeah. Pogorian, who went to. Are, are we not counting the Jekko leaving? Oh, and Jekko, yeah. How did I forget Jekko? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just I, I mean, I know it was a free transfer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and Jekko. So, um, yeah. you know, mostly, you know, guys that we expected to leave. Um, so I'll start by saying this. What would you guys, out of a 10, give the grade to Pinto's work so far, considering those are the four incoming and four outgoing moves? Uh, Jimmy first. I'd give it an eight, I think. Um, I, th- I would probably give it a nine or even a 10 if we had been able to get rid of more dead weight. Um, I'm a lot more hot. I'm a lot higher on Rui Patricio uh, than a lot of other people, uh, mainly because I think that just having someone with a lot more experience at the top level is going to be useful in the long term. Uh, Shamorodov, I've been excited about from the beginning. Uh, and Vinya and Abraham seem like really good transfers of the moment, given needs that developed during the Mercado. Um, as for getting rid of the people we got rid of, I'm impressed that it's happened, to be honest with you. Like, I didn't think we were going to get anyone to get rid of Paul Lopez for us. Um, and as for everyone else, the way that this Mercado can get better is if we get rid of more dead weight, and that might open up room for another transfer in of a defensive midfielder, which apparently we've been going after for months. Yeah. Sean, what grade would you give so far? Uh I want to split it because I don't. I don't want to seem cynical. Uh, incoming, I'd give an eight. I agree, with Jimmy. Uh, my my reasoning is a little bit different in that I think I'm high on on Matias Vigna more than most of other people might be. Um, we've had a lot of great pieces over the last week about the fullback situation from Steve and Jimmy even today. Um, so you know you can check that out on kz.tati.com. I'm personally very excited to have two fullbacks that can uh, look for the pass and have vision and make the ball do the running. So, you know, other people might think, well, you know, I prefer the Spinozola way, and that's fair enough. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about the incomings. Outgoings, you know, I just think sporting directors have to be able to, to sell. Um, even, even the hard deals, they have to be able to sell. Otherwise, you're just, you're just you're ticking over and you're waiting for water to come on your ship and, you'll, you know, you'll be uh, scooping out with, uh, with shovels all the same. And um, it's just... I, I, I'm hesitant to score the outgoing Mercato because it's, it's a difficult Mercato to, to actually sell players. So, but we, we haven't seen the progress needed on that front that, that Roma really needs to make. All right. I'll, I'll go 7.5 because I think the incoming have been very good. I think they've been pretty, pretty solid signings in terms of Roma's need so far. Uh, the outgoing makes it a little tougher. You're right, because there's still a lot of dead weight on the books and, and that's kind of what's dragging down the grade. If they had, offloaded Olsen and, and Zonzi and a couple other guys already. I'd probably be closer to the nine like Jimmy too, like the way he's looking at it. Um, but, you know, there's still time. I, I think Pinto will move some of those guys. We'll get into that in a bit. But Jimmy brought up the defensive midfield, and that seems to be the position that, you know, Roma targeted first and foremost with Xhaka. 
uh, Giacomo never happened. And now it seems like that's the last position Roman needs to fill to really complete this team in the, in the vision of Mourinho from what reports are saying. So we had a question uh, from Kiv, Kival, and he said, uh, now that Jacques is most likely not coming in, who's a good D mid option at this stage of the transfer market, or should Roma stick to it? It's current roster. So uh, Sean, what profile would you look for in a defensive midfielder? If you're looking at Mourinho, because I know Jacques was not convincing to you. I, I, you and I kind of felt he was redundant to Cristante in many ways. Yeah. Uh, this is coming up in the round table that we discuss in the next week or so, but yeah, I said in there that um, I really now, like the way, with the way Amakato is going with such a pacey front line, I'd like a midfielder that can keep up with them. Uh, and also with the fullback situation, you know, with our fullbacks willing to, to release the ball quickly, um, that means that you, you can risk the, you know, to, you run the risk of getting caught out short of numbers on the break because if, you know, if the other team has defenders back, then you've got to be able to match up those numbers. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, it'll be shorter, man. So it helps if you have a mobile midfielder who can, um, you know, he has to be def- a defensive midfielder in the sense that he has to be good at defending and, and winning the ball. You uh, hope for that much. You hope he's physical, strong, but most importantly, has a good sense of timing of when to take the ball away from the opponent. Um, but I really, really want a mobile guy on top of that who can dribble out of pressure because there will be games where, um, you know, if, if teams do press us high or we try and defend the lead and we get too deep, you know, uh, the, you know, the opponent won't worry about our front line. They'll just think, well, you know what? Roma's midfield can be had if you just, you know, get them under pressure. They tend to lose the ball or they tend to give it away sloppily. You know, we've seen that with our current players. We've seen it mm-hmm. with, even with Cristante. We've seen it with yeah. Jordan Vertu, Vertu. with Diawara. So, you know, we need a player that can handle that pressure of, of you know, as some people say, being press resistant, quote unquote, but he can just, you know, make you regret that you, that you tried to come up against him and he just, you know, drills past you. Yeah. So Jimmy, I'll ask you, cause you haven't been on to discuss Jaka. Were you, were you disappointed in the Jaka move falling apart or are you fine with Roma not getting a player like Jaka? If Jaka had been available for the price that Roma was trying to buy him for, I would have been happy with the move. Um, particularly if we were able to get rid of some dead weight. But I do really appreciate the fact that we didn't just cave to Arsenal's price there. Um, again, this reminds me of the Bolotti potential transfer to a certain extent. It doesn't seem to me like Tiago Pinto was just going to say okay to another club's selling price if he doesn't agree with the valuation, um, particularly for players who seem to be, you know, on the outs of the club. And there's no reason for Pinto to act that way. So I'm happy that when he was told 20 million pounds or take a rope, take a hike, he took a hike. Um, as for if we should be getting another DM in his mold or better, um, personally, I don't, I'm a little less certain that we should be getting one, particularly with how much dead weight we have just in the midfield alone. Um, I'm not completely sold on the idea that either Diawara or VR can't have a successful season. Um, but the fact that we have out players like Diawara, VR, and uh, Cristante as not guaranteed starters, but like players who are making a decent amount of money um, and probably should be getting minutes makes me think that even if we get rid of the people who are truly out, like Pastore, uh, Nzanzi, that we're still going to have a huge number of midfielders for those back positions that I don't necessarily think we'll either be able to replace 
or want to be able to sell at like the valuation we're going to get. Um, so I'd rather just go with Cristante and Diawara and see if they can, you know, turn it around a little bit. And Cristante in particular, I feel like at this point, I'm excited by, it, it seems to me like even though he was obviously maybe a too much of a expensive transfer when he was signed for what his role has become, when I was seeing him playing for the Italian national team, it certainly seemed like he could play an important role for Roma. Um, and I'm hoping that he can show off more of that skill set um, this season because he hasn't really had as much of a chance to do so over the past couple of years. But I think he's, that talent is still there. Yeah, you make a good point on Cristante, and that's something I pointed out in our roundtable that's coming out this week, is that managers like him for a reason. Every team he ends up on, he finds valuable minutes, even when he doesn't look like a surefire starter. I mean, Mancini found valuable minutes in the, in the final against England. Even as a Romanista, I didn't think that he'd be the first guy off the bench in the midfield, but Mancini saw his value as a more of a veteran presence compared to like a Piscina and some of those guys. And, and he played well and ended up having an important flick on that turned into the tying goal for Italy. You know, when he, when De Rossi was here and Cristante first came, he said, I would take 11 of him. I don't care if he's from Rome or not based on the, the way he plays. So I think he'll still have an important role. I, I do think Roma will try to make a move for a DM. It just seems like all signs point that way, being that Jaka was linked so heavily and that, you know, Mourinho wanted him. Um, I think, though, if the move is made, there's going to have to be a sacrifice in the midfield. That was one of the notes ma I made here on our DM list. One of the questions I had for you guys, like, first of all, I don't know how much Roma can spend at this point. You know, I think it's going to take some kind of sacrifice. I know Diawara has been linked with a move out, but not for much money. It was like 12 million to Wolves. And then even then, apparently there was no formal offer made from Wolves so far from what I've seen. I think if you're going to sell to make a sacrifice for a more defensive midfielder, I almost think VR has to be the one to move because you could probably get more money from. What do you guys think? I'll start with uh, Jimmy first on this one. Yeah, I definitely agree that unfortunately VR would probably be the odd man out in the midfield rotation if we had to sell one of these players that we actually use on a consistent basis. Simply because, yeah, I mean, DOR doesn't seem like we're going to be able to recoup much money on him right now. Um, Cristante, I think, is probably you know, kind of just too important to the side in a lot of different ways that we probably shouldn't be selling him. Uh, and everyone else is either a surefire starter or, you know, in contract negotiations to get a big new contract like Pellegrini. So it seems to me like process of el elimination, it's going to be VR if we sell anybody. Now, there were some rumors linking him to Atletico Madrid a while back. But at the same time, it seems to me like if you're desperate to sell someone to fund your Mercato right now, unless your name is Chelsea, it's very hard to actually get value for the players you're trying to get rid of. And part of the reason why Chelsea is even able to do that is just because their loan army has been so huge for forever. Um, so there's just such a unique situation that I don't think it, it's almost the exception that proves the rule. Given that, it seems to me like if we're going to sell VR to get a midfielder, we're going to be probably underselling him to his valuation or at least what his valuation would be in any non-COVID environment which again makes me kind of worried about just selling him now to buy a DM. Like I, I, I think it might even just be smarter to wait a couple months, wait until the winter Mercado, see how well Cristante and Diawara can do in that role as kind of a backup to Veritu or even replacing Veritu if they do very well. Um, and then go from there. Like to me, the ideal winter, winter pickup could be a DM. What do you think, Sean? Because I know you said without a DM that this team can't finish or most likely won't finish top four. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, in terms of sacrificing to to get a move yeah 
but not just any DM. It's like, it's like you said before, I, I don't want them to sign a DM for the sake of signing right. someone. It has to be the right guy. Um, I I think someone has to go before we get someone in. If, if Pinto doesn't land a defensive mid or deep lying midfielder um, by the end of August, it's because no one left. Um, and it, it, it might have to be the odds because the story behind Diwara is apparently that he's determined to prove himself at Rome at yeah. all costs. Like he's just not interested in the move elsewhere. Um, based based on his first half year with the club where he was like really on top and one of the you know leading players, then I understand why. But it's been a long time since then, at least in relative football time. Um, and apparently he's just determined to, to show he he can really be something at this club. And you know, so that that really only leaves VR. Um and yeah, that's it. Or or selling your know, major selling of the youth like Bove, Darboy, if, if people come in with crazy offers of like 10 million a piece for them. But a bit short of that, then it has to be VR. Yeah. Yeah. So the the most recent name I saw linked yesterday was Paulinha of Sporting Lisbon. I know we've talked about Zakaria from Mönchengladbach, Anguisa of Fulham, Coop Miners has been linked from PSV. I also think I saw um Oliveira of Porto yesterday as you know being offered by uh who's the Portuguese agent there? Mendez, Porto. right? Oh, yeah, Mendez offered Paulinha and uh, Oliveira from the Portuguese clubs. Do do you fancy any of those names, Sean? And yeah, I like what, Zakaria. And at what cost? Uh, I like Zakaria a lot. I like, I obviously like Coop Miners. I, I, I don't think he's realistic. I think he's more interested in Atlanta at this point or Champions League football. Uh, I like Anguissa from Fulham. Um, I don't know about cost because I, I think, you know, to answer one of your, your questions you've written down here, Roma can't can't spend the full whack. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that that they're looking to get someone in. You know, we'll 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 loan him now. We'll pay later. So um, I have no idea what the final number will end up looking like on Zakaria or, or Anguissa. I think that will just it, it's highly dependent first on a player leaving and also the the selling club being willing to accept a little bit of money now and uh, you know some some finance kind of story uh, later on. So it could end up being a higher number than than I imagine because we'd be paying later on. Yeah. Jim, I know you, you, you're pretty content sending Pat. Do you want to weigh in on any of the names? or? I mean, I think that, you know, Sean generally has the best understanding of what a DM should be bringing to Roma out of anyone I know. Uh, but beyond that, I, I agree with out of those li- that list, those are the picks that I would make. Um, I wish we could get Coop Miners, but it doesn't really seem like that's in the cards unless something changes over the course of the next week or so. Um, and again, I mean, honestly, it, it this the biggest worry that I have about assigning a DM, even if we're able to sell someone like VR, is that let's say we sell VR for you know under what his market value would be in any other situation, that gives us less money to buy whoever we end up buying now. So like I I don't know if it makes sense to necessarily buy a worse quality midfielder than we could get from that VR money if we know that like waiting six months to a year to make that process happen when it's not, you know, the end of the Mercado, everyone knows that they can kind of screw you, screw you a bit (laughs) um, on the, on the transfers. Uh, I, I I would, I'd rather wait and get full value for VR maybe from Atletico for like, I don't know, something like 30 million, 35 million. um, And then use that money towards a coop miners type purchase. And then maybe even be able to say, look, we're pretty much guaranteed to get Champions League football or next summer we have Champions League football. Um, Then to buy someone now who we might be saddled with for a longer term who doesn't fit with the aspirations that we have in the longer term. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's the end of the world that they don't get a DM. I'm sure, you know, it, it affects the play on the field a little bit. Um, but you make a good point. You know, if we wait six months to a year, if this is a true three-year project, you can't expect everything that first window. And I don't think it's worth buying a DM just to buy one. I know apparently Marino really liked Jaka, but for the reasons Sean mentioned, would Jaka really be a great fit? I don't know. I mean, maybe at 15 million, maybe it's cheap enough that you can justify it. Um, but, you know, maybe they stand pat and, and they don't make a move. And maybe one of these guys like Anguisa or somebody is, you know, available on a cheaper price because he's right now in the championship with Fulham. And, you know, maybe he pushes for a move out if nobody buys him this summer come the winter. Who knows? But uh, I think if they stand pat and they don't get a, a DM because nobody comes at the right price or anything, I, I would probably think Cristante starts. What do you what do you guys think next to there, too? Yeah, why not? Um, I, I, I just... Again, it's dependent on circumstance. Uh, you know, if, if you get uh, a couple of weeks where the midfield is obviously struggling to break, break out of pressure and, and it's kind of taking your front line out of the game, then you look at, okay, maybe we've got to address this problem right now. And you field in VR or, or Diawara, you know, next to Vertu, you know, someone who can actually dribble their way around players. Um, and then you obviously you give up uh, you give up what what Cristante adds to the team, which is like you, you risk you know, conceding goals behind you because Diawara and, and VR have had defensive struggles lately, where Cristante is a much more solid player moving backwards. Um, so it's it's really you take it on the fly. Um, we'll see how Roma plays, and we'll see how Serie A uh, reacts to Roma's play in the first few weeks, and take it from there. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you think, Jim? Uh, yeah, I mean. I, I, I 100% agree with Sean. I, I'm not convinced by any of these midfielders that we have right now who are supposedly on the outs. Um, and I'm not on a defensive level convinced by VR either. Um, I, I guess I just, I'd rather stand pat and have the opportunity to look for a real fit in the long term than, you know, find another midfielder who two seasons from now we're trying to get rid of and we can't because you know he either wants to yeah. prove himself like Diawara or he just doesn't have the ability to cut it in a real league anymore like in Zonzi yeah it's a good point um so DM seems to be the position talked about I, I don't know from my personal opinion I think they're pretty set at every other position with the Abraham move but I saw today Brent tweeted out that um Langlet from uh Barcelona was actually linked again for the second time this summer. He's a center back, left-footed center back. To me, I don't see the need for another center back unless for some reason, you know, the solution at DM is to move Mancini or Ibanez. But to, to you guys, are there any other needs besides possibly a DM or other than that, do you think the Mercato is done? For me, uh, I'm okay with, with just addressing the deep, deep midfield. But I know some people feel like Roman needs a backup right, right back. Um, we we addressed that last week when you know we both said you got to play Brian Reynolds. Yeah, he's got to play through the pain. Um, but some people want to be like super prepared and you know have someone who's like international class behind Karsdorp, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Agreed, Jim. Yeah, I I don't really think that we're in a position to sign anybody else, um, particularly at center back. I I think that we've got enough enough depth there of promising young players that we don't want to you know not see Kumbola play ever again. Like, I mean, regardless of how you feel about how he played in his first season in Rome, I think that it's important that when you make that type of investment that you at least give the guy a shot every now right. and then. And signing a guy like Lenglei would just, you know, confirm 
to him and to anyone following the club that they don't see anything in Kumbula. And I think he's been promising enough for a guy who just turned 21 as a center back that he should be still seeing some minutes. So I don't think center back's really an issue. I think right back as a second choice, I mean, I think Reynolds, again, Reynolds is kind of in that Kumbula zone for me where it's like, I see potential there. I don't think he's the finished item yet, but that's kind of just, you know, a side effect of being 20 or 21 in a defender. Like nobody looks great as a young defender, unless your name is Marquinhos. So um, I think given that, I don't really see where else we could sign someone that wouldn't result in players that I think deserve a chance to get minutes, not getting those minutes. Um, and I'd much rather, you know, have a chance for a player like Trippy or Zalewski. I'd rather have them actually have a shot of getting into the senior team than to fill up again on senior players on bigger salaries that if they don't fit or don't fight for minutes well enough, we're going to have to sell again and be in the same exact position where you are now with like, God knows how many players not training with Mourinho because we want them gone. Yeah. I, I agreed. Should, Go ahead. John. It, it should be said though. Um, what some people have brought up on Twitter, even though I am in full agreement with Jimmy that, um, you know, everyone that's at the club should be given a chance, Kumbula included. Um, some people are saying that the long lay uh, signing is a, a roundabout way to address the deep midfield where like, if you play him at the back, then you've, you're free to push either Mancini or Banyas to deep midfield. And, you know, those, those are the guys who can dribble out of pressure and who are defensively, you know, sound enough to win the ball back. So um, we'll see. That's a very speculative move if that's how they're going to go about it. But that's, that could be a, a backdoor way to address the, the deep line midfield situation. Yeah, and even if they did make that speculative move with one of those two, I mean, don't you think you have enough cover with um, Ibanez and Kumbula to play with Smalling if Mancini was the one that moved or with, uh, you know, let Kumbula be your third center back than to address it with a, another center back, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, like we have three pro really promising young center backs in the squad, and that's not even counting – primavera players and like trippy is like promising and plays at center back every now and then so like I, I i don't know to me it seems like if we're buying another center back it's an indicator that we don't believe in those guys enough and that would worry me even if we shifted like mancini up to a dm i don't know i was never super impressed seeing him play as a dm last season like when that happened it always kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit um but i i don't know ibanez might be a solution at dm for all i know but i'm not super convinced the only other thing I'd say about Longley, I've seen people say, and I, I firmly agree with my heart, is that he's left-footed. And I've always, like, ideally, wanted a left-footed centre-back. When teams play, uh, they part the bus against us. You need your back line to be able to play the quick balls to the front line when space opens up, because it's not going to last for long. Um, and we, we saw with, like, when we had Kolarov there uh, playing centre-back for a while, that just the angles on the pitch opened up so much in terms of being able to pass quickly to the front line, you know, when you got a, right, a left foot on the left, right foot on the right. So often we're missing that. And also, you know, shift if it does uh, shift the Banyas to the right centre-back position, he, he always played better on, on the right in the back four or through the middle with a back three. Um, in that left centre-back position, he just looks less comfortable. But uh, ultimately, these are issues that are luxuries to deal with. You know, they're not really worth signing a player just mm -hmm. for, you know, a speculative move like that. You know, these are kind of questions that you, you deal with in the second season when you know the first season has given you that momentum to push up the table. Um, but for now, it's like 
you, know, you don't want to address too much too fast and end up spending too much money. Yeah. And then you end up in the conference league again, and then you're really yeah. broke. <laughs> yeah. um, so we talked about the outgoing Mercato earlier. We have a couple of questions in regards to that, um, two of the, the big names, you know, making big wages. One, uh, this is from Jazit. He, both these questions are actually from Jazit. He weighed in earlier and he asked, uh, Pastore said that Roman had given him a chance to train with Marino and show him what he can do. Do you think the club should have given a chance to players like these uh, to impress Mourinho? Because at the moment they're just earning. And if we need to sell them at a good price, they need to be, you know, be training and playing, I guess, to, you know, catch the eye of other teams. Then he also asked, do you think we should let Zonzi leave for free to soften the budget and others too? So uh, Sean, what do you think on Pastore's comments? Because, you know, he's been making quite a calamity on uh, social media. You know, he was posted by the official PSG account the other day at their opening match I saw in front of the curva um, yeah. besides the barbecue pictures and the other pictures he's been posting so weigh in yeah. on those two <laughs> yeah for, for most of this preseason he spent more time uh, supporting Paris than yeah. anything else but it, I, if you're frozen out of your own team then what do you expect he's only human right you gotta you gotta go where your memories are um uh, we we addressed this last last week on the last episode and we we didn't really have a clear answer as to what was the right way to go about this stuff you know if, if you free as players out the side at least uh, one principle is that you don't affect the the positive energy of the group that's that's ready to play mm -hmm. and go you know you don't have uh, you know a player who's disgruntled training among them saying well you know i wish the coach was gone or you know let's, let's, let's just play badly next week and get him fired you know there's nothing there's none of that so you know that that's one principle behind you know being very upfront and confronting players and saying look i don't want you at this club and you could better find you and move out and until then you're going to be training separately because you know we've got a we've got a unit here that we're going to protect but on the other hand how do you get a right price a right price or right offer for a player if you don't play him his yeah. value is only ever going to go down so i i there's i don't know if there's a right or wrong answer here um i, I really don't know it, it's gonna it's gonna be something that's gonna be seen in retrospect rather than ahead of time what do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think that I would buy Pastorius complaining more if he had shown that he was really invested in getting back into fitness and form over any point of the past couple seasons. Um, I mean, yeah, I know he's had injury, injury issues, but at the same time, to complain that you're being told that your time in Rome is done after the career that you've had in Rome and like acting like that's a big problem. It's not like he ever lit it up for us. Um, basically from the word go, he wasn't available. Like there was that one back heel goal. And like, I think it was either the first game that he played or something like that. And that was it. Like that's the only Pastore memory that I have of his time in Roma, in Rome. Uh, so given that it doesn't really seem like he's like has much of a justification to say like, oh, Mourinho's pushing me out. I, it's not really that different than what Fonseca did like Fonseca didn't play him like I can't think of a manager that actually like consistently played him because he was a bad transfer who never stayed healthy and even when he did stay healthy he apparently wasn't good enough to break into the starting 11. Um, I you know PSG has so much money if they're gonna post him on social media I wish they would just buy him but <laughs> um, but given that that's probably not gonna happen um, yeah, I, I honestly do think you got to free some of these people out because otherwise you're going to end up with a situation like Diawara where we want to move on apparently, but he wants to prove himself. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think that after a certain point, the, the squad gets way too big 
and players who haven't shown themselves to be worth it at any point in their time in Rome shouldn't act like they should have like an engraved invitation to stick around the squad. This is where I'm going to disagree with Jimmy. This is where, where Steve has to make sure we don't come to blows here. Because <laughs> I, I I totally disagree with Pastore. I think, I think we're underestimating how often he's been injured and not fit. And I'm not saying to be happy with that. Obviously, that makes it a bad transfer. But on a, when the times he's been available, he's often always been in the headlines for posting on social media how he's training uh, on his own individual regime. Um, he has his own coaching staff to try and get them up to fitness. Um, he's been you know, dedicated to that. And then when he's been in the team, on the few occasions he has been, which is by you know, the game time has been nowhere good enough for the money spent. I agree there. But on a few occasions he has been, it's not just been backheel goals. It's been, uh, I remember under in Fonseca's first season, he set the, the league record of all players in any team for most uh, pressures over like 90 minutes, uh, most balls won back, most interceptions in the game. That was a Napoli game that we won. Um, and uh, he's, you know, he's shown himself to be a player who, when he's on the pitch, he, he puts teammates in good positions. He takes opponents out the games with his, his runs and passing. And, and defensively, he puts in more than enough work rate. But it's just that he just hasn't played enough, hasn't been available enough. And even in this interview he cut this week, he said, uh, the plan is to find a club uh, that can take me on and uh, end my time in Rome because you know, Rome have been up front me now that they don't want me here. But there just hasn't been an offer coming in during this COVID-struck market. So it's not like he's an entitled player just saying, well, if an offer comes in, I'll think about it, but I can't give you any promises. You know, he's, he's actually very on, on the ball with his career and, uh, and where it's going. And it hasn't gone to the right place at all. So I can't justify that. But he's, he doesn't seem like a, you know, a, a leech in any, in any case. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I guess I would just say that the best ability is availability. And yeah. he has the exact lack of that. Um, as a player ever since he signed for Rome like yeah I, I agree when he has played he's been pretty good but he's never played and that's like like just statistically speaking he's basically never played for the club over his entire time here and I wish that it had worked out and but at the same time you know it's all well and good for him to have like his personal training regime to try to get back up to fitness and to avoid injury but it obviously hasn't worked and like like if it doesn't matter if he brings in his own team to become a better player like a more fit player if he still is injured a lot of the time right like it's obviously not working um no, but i'm saying i'm I, saying that speaks to his mentality that's all i'm not i'm not i definitely don't disagree that you know the best thing you can do for a club is be available in the first place but there we agree uh, no but, i i'm more just saying like you were talking about him on social media you know having his own individual training plan things like that yeah. and i mean just objectively looking at the availability that he's had like if how long if he's been doing that even in the past year it hasn't obviously been successful enough for him to be available that often um so that's more the point that i'm making uh i i really was hoping that he would be a great transfer when he came in because like i remembered him when he was in italy before signing with psg he was like a fantastic player to watch don't get me wrong um and there were still glimpses of that when he was playing or able to play for roma um at the same time i i just uh, after a certain point you got to cut bait and I think that I agree that if the COVID market hadn't messed everything up, I think he would be at another club already. And I think he'd, we'd all probably be happier. Um, yeah, but, at the same, but at the same time, I don't really know if giving him a chance to impress Mourinho really matters because even if he impresses Mourinho, how often is he going to be available? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fighting for like 
that Rome would have the chance to keep Pastore at the club. But mm-hmm. uh, one, one thing I disagree with, and this, this is not necessarily your comments, Jimmy, but I've seen this mm-hmm. often mentioned on our forum and on the internet, is that some people say, oh, people who are in favor of Pastore or, you know, praise his performances for Roma, they're just, they're just looking at it through nostalgia. They're t- just thinking about his Piaggio Palermo days. I'm not yeah. thinking about that. I'm thinking about what he's showing in the Roma shirt. When, when he comes on the pitch, um, I haven't actually broken it down into like, you know, a statistical argument, but when he comes on the pitch, Roma are more dangerous. They, you know, they, they transition better between defense and attack. Um, it's down to a lot of his play. He's, he's very influential when he's on the pitch. And you know, sometimes you have games last season where he came on for like 20 minutes to, towards the end of the game and Roma scored three goals where they struggled to unlock the game before that. Um, and he's had, he's had performances that have actually set, you know, performance records in, in City itself since he's been back. So uh, my only point is that I'm, ba- I'm basing uh, what he's, the chart, the shot that he's earned is based on his Roma f- form alone. I'm not speaking through like rose tinted glasses about wouldn't be great to have the story of the past. It's for who he is right now. And if you, if you wanted to keep the value of a player up to actually attract that offer from abroad to take him off your hands, that there's a valid argument that to be said, look, Pastore, when he's available, he can do a job. And and if he keeps his, you know, if, if clubs get to see that he can still do a job this season, which was the argument in this interview, then you you, you increase your odds of getting off the books. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he's a class player. We know that. Um, the track record speaks for itself. I think, though, one thing Roma should have realized going into this transfer, I'm looking back at his numbers now because I was, you know, looking at what kind of influence he does have on matches. Minute-wise, with PSG, the, the three years prior to Roma buying him, he played 874 minutes, 864 minutes, and then 1,346 minutes, which the, the, the last season before he came, not terrible playing for a star-studded roster and you know splitting time with players. But he didn't have the greatest minute record before that after 2014-15 when he was you know in his mid-20s. So there, there probably should have been some caution there in that transfer when Monchi made that move. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking to your point, Sean, FB reference only tracks shot creating actions for the last four seasons. But, um, you know, his first season in Rome, which was, you know, 5.73 shot creating actions per 90, obviously limited minutes. It was like 600 minutes or something. Um, And then last season, it was only, it was less than a full match. He played the whole season. It was like, he didn't even play a full 90 and minutes was 82 minutes, but he had 5.49 shot creating actions per 90. So I see the point you're getting at the, the, the talent was still there. But to Jimmy's point, he was never available. So I can see why the club would freeze him out to try to push him out the door, make it known like you're not welcome here anymore. But I see your point. If he had a chance to prove himself, maybe prove himself. But then again, does he get hurt two matches into the season and we're back in the same boat where he's, <laughs> you know, he's making six million or whatever he's making yeah. to to rot, to rot on the bench, not even on the there bench, on the, in the trainer's table. There is that risk. So, yeah, you guys have a point yeah. there. If, if you play more and then he's out again injured, then you have no chance of selling. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the other player is Zonzi, who uh, there's some talk of a mutual, you know, termination of the contract, but he wants a, a little bonus sheet, as they call it, in Italy to leave like a million and a half or something, you know, here, pay me and I'll, I'll get out of your hair. Um, I don't have a problem with terminating the contract because I'm sure his amortized value is pretty low now after three seasons. So they probably wouldn't lose too much in the um, price tag of him. They would, you know, actually save in the salary. So it might not be the biggest loss for Roma, but then for him to ask for a million and a half to get out, that's kind of what gets at me with him. If you want to leave for free at this point, so be it. I'd be fine losing your wages, but what are you doing asking for money to kind of be paid off? I don't know, a little gift to, uh, on the way out. I have a problem with that in, in his case because 
he he wasn't up to snuff in the one season he was here. I don't mind because Roma signed that contract and they were they were grown adults at the moment they signed it. So you know, if you, you sign a contract, you've got to honor it. Um, I think the amortized like his value is now down to something like eight million euros. Um, and obviously, if you add the wages that he stands to earn this season at Roma, um, it's something like uh, twelve or thirteen million a season he's costing the club. So if you let him go for free, you've lost that eight million. That's that's a minus one on the on the on the year. If you pay him the one point five he's asking for as a golden handshake or bonusita, as you say, um, you've lost. Uh, what was that my massive failure like now? Nine and a half million. Nine and a half. Yeah. So you, you're still saving quote unquote three million, even though you're losing money, but you're you're, you're saving more than you pay out for keeping out the club frozen out training. Yeah. Um, he's not asking you for you know he's he's aware of that, and yes, he's he's taking. You're making the most opportunity by saying, well, give me a little bit on the side. You're still saving money, but you're giving me some. Um, and you never know. That, that could be because uh, his new club are offering him wages where he loses out 1.5 billion. So he's saying, make up the difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think besides him, who else needs to go? I think Olsen will be out at some point. I mean, there's a lot of talk of clubs interested in him. I think he even had an offer in the championship recently from what I saw. So he's got a way if he would take that step back, I guess, so to speak, mm-hmm. after being with Everton last year. You know, Florenzi talked to Milan. Um, I think that the stumbling block there is Milan wants the option to buy. Robo wants the obligation to buy to make seven or eight million euros plus Florenzi on him. Um, anyone else besides like the Chorches and those lesser beyond those kind of players? Anybody else that you can think of that needs to go? Uh, well, there, there are a lot. Uh, 20 players uh, training uh, aside. And I, I, the Serie A, I looked at the average squad numbers and uh, there's only one other teams that are pushing us for the biggest squad in the league right now is that's Lazio with like 40, 40 mm. players, I think. Roma have 45. <laughs> everyone everyone yeah. else has about 30, 30 or 35 players in their squad. So we're bloated. Yeah. Um, and part of that equation is the Primavera player. So Zalewski, who got his first Poland call up today, senior side, uh, Bove, Darboe, Trippi, Boer, and Chiervo are the ones that come to mind. I think Boer might stick around as the third keeper at this point because it doesn't seem like Roma's made any move in that um, direction. I, I, I don't know if they would trust him as the third keeper, but it looks like they might. Um, who do you think sticks around, Sean? I'll go to you and then to Jimmy. Who do you think might stick around out of those six Primavera-type players? Uh, I've said it before in writing. I, I think Bove will surprise everyone. Um, and Zaleski as well. Those are my two favorites to stick around. Uh, I don't really see too many opportunities for Chadro, so I think he's he's got he's got he's better off going, um, even if it's just on loan because I, I do rate him as a talent. Uh, Darbo is a strange one because mm-hmm. you know, he's, his agent has come out and said we've never discussed the loan move this whole summer. The club haven't you know they've made it out that like the club planned to keep him as a as a regular fixture around the club, but he's had you know a preseason where he's just played less and less because he when he has played he hasn't played that well this summer. Uh, Trippy, I don't rate at all, so it's fine. Um, Pietro Boa, yeah, like he could be third keeper because Master Antonio is coming up with the Primavera now. So, uh, Pietro Boa is in that strange, like no man's land or Bermuda Triangle between you know under 19 football and under 23, where um, you don't know what's going to happen with his career, but third keeper for now, yeah. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think uh, Zalewski is almost a guaranteed part of the senior squad at this point and like if you've looked at any of the friendly been watching the friendlies you can see that he's been getting a lot of appreciation from Mourinho here and there uh on the flip side if you look at Darboe's 
performances in these friendlies, it's been kind of interesting just because he doesn't look, he hasn't been showing the same quality that we were seeing at the end of the second half of the season with uh, Fonseca. And we, I mean, I've, there've been multiple instances where he does something just like completely mind numbing and Mourinho has to yell at him. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen multiple clips of Mourinho just yelling at Darboe during a friendly, which, you know, is never a good sign when you're trying to impress yourself and become a part of a midfield rotation. Um, so I hope he goes out on loan. Bove seems to be young enough that keeping him around wouldn't be the worst situation, kind of like what Darboe was last season. Like, if we if you have a midfielder around who, like, if the going gets tough, can play, that's pretty good. Um, Bower looks like he's going to be that third-string goalkeeper, and I'm, I'm fine with that. It's not like we've ever really had to play the third-string goalkeeper that much, period. So hoping nobody gets injured there, and I think we'll be fine. Uh, and honestly, I haven't seen enough of Trippier or Sierra to really comment on either of them. Uh, I know that some people really rate Trippy, but that's about that's about it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Bove's done enough this preseason to stick around as a guy who can grow up around the senior squad. Maybe he can get an appearance in the the Conference League or the Coppa Italia. Same with Zalewski. The, the the name I forgot to mention, outgoing. A lot of rumors have been swirling about Carlos Perez. Do you think? Perez is expendable enough to to move out of the club at this point or do you think uh, he'll stick around I think that he probably sticks around um just just by judging you know again you can you can get into the weeds a little bit if you judge too much off of preseason friendlies but you know the way that Mourinho and Perez were palling around a little bit towards the end of the last one makes me think that Mourinho likes keeping Perez around um I also don't think that we're confident enough in all of our forwards just yet to get rid of one and be able to say like, oh, we'll just bring in like a Primavera kid if things get thin up there. I think that we've got enough new parts there that it should be, it would be smart to keep him around for at least another season and see what he can do. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Sean? Well, some people tried to twist that that moment um, in the last friendly that Jimmy mentioned between Pettis and Mourinho when he was coming off um, when he got subbed off you know some uh, some someone on social media or some paper or channel you know tried to make it out like Perez was uh, um, upset about being subbed and like that they were having an argument on the sideline I thought that was BS like I, it just seemed like they were joking and then mm-hmm. and it was fine you know um, I I prefer what I've seen of Perez uh, going down the the left wing than the right wing um, but the left wing is so stacked already and uh, it just seems like it makes more sense to, from a personnel standpoint, to keep him on, on you know, available as the deputy on the right in case like we need to manage Zaniola's game time. Um, but I just think that I'm more of a fan of uh, Carlos going down the left, being forced to, to be a provider on his left foot rather than cutting in from the right and looking for goal. Even though I respect that he has a great shot, I'm you know, not debating that whatsoever. But... When he tries to score and um, and then doesn't, sometimes he just gets his head down and gets even more pig-headed about scoring again, and just gets his head down and it's, it, like dribbles to nowhere, and it's just you know it's not what you really expect. So, I I like what I've seen from this preseason when we played him as someone who focuses on laying off the ammo for other people to shoot. Um, if he can do more of that, I'm not complaining. But other than that, I don't know. I, I really feel like he's someone who's at risk of going nowhere in Rome. Okay. Do, do you think he goes anywhere this summer, though, or do you think he's he's here? Oh, um, 
I think that uh, from what I read, they got a very health, healthy offering from Newcastle and Pranath wasn't interested. So he's probably like Diwara just digging his heels in and insisting that he can make a go of it under Mourinho. So he'll, yeah. he'll still be here. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think the minutes will be there for him because you have to remember if Zaniolo is a starting right winger, Zaniolo is going to need to be managed, especially early on coming back from that knee injury. And Pérez is the most likely candidate to start those matches. He doesn't. Uh, unless Shamordov also gets some minutes on the right. That could be another option for Shamordov to get minutes. I just thought of um, last little Mercato update. I just saw a tweet from Angelo Mangiante. I think he's from Corriere uh, dello Sport. And he said that with the 40 million spent on Abraham, Roma is the biggest spending Italian club so far this summer with 97 million on the four acquisitions plus the, um, you know, fees owed for Ibanez and Reynolds deals. The fifth most spent in Europe behind City, United, Chelsea and Aston Villa. Um, which is kind of misleading, I guess, in a way, because we mentioned how the deal was structured, but just uh, on the surface level. Um, and then uh, latest update on Florenzi is that um, they're looking at just a loan for the season now, no, nothing attached to it, Prestito Oneroso, which would be just a, a loan deal. And that's at Sky Sport, uh, the information's coming from. So uh, that'll wrap up our, our Mercato part. Just a quick, quick look ahead at the, the week coming up because guess what? Roma actually has meaningful matches coming up this week. So um, real quick, we had one question from Jody on the Trabzonspor match, which is in Turkey, the first leg. Um, but the way the conference league is set up, Roma has to play the, the Turkish side, you know, and beat them to get into the group stage proper. So he asked us, what does your gut say? Will we go full force on Thursday against Trabzonspor or will Mourinho save our key players for Fiorentina? Knowing Mourinho, I think he's going to go for it. It's early in the season. I think he's going to run out a lineup similar to what we saw on Saturday, which was pretty much our starting 11 for the most part. Uh, what do you guys think? you think Roma goes all for it on Thursday? Are we playing away or home? We're away first leg. Okay, so I could see a reason for him going cautious, but uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to expect right now. I'm going to say define key. Like, I mean, we're not going to have Tammy Abraham probably, even though I think he's going to be registered for the ECL. Um, we're not going to have him yet. So it's probably going to be Shemurdov starting from what we've seen mm-hmm. in the friendlies. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if certain players who he's going to have to conserve legs over the long term maybe don't get the start just because, you know, the Fiorentina match is more important long term, yeah. arguably, than one leg of this play in. Um, so I could see players that he needs to conserve like Zaniolo, uh, Mkhitaryan, maybe not playing. Places where we have depth and those players might need to show their stuff. Like this could be Carlos Perez's time to yep. go get a hat trick and, and silence all of us who are trying to tell him to go to Newcastle. <laughs> so uh, so given that, I think that we'll probably – I think we'll see most of the typical starters play. But the players where we might have to be a, more, a bit more cautious about fitness maintenance, maybe we'll – only come in in the second half or play limited, or maybe if they'll play the first 45 or something like that, we should be able to beat this side with not our B team, but like our a minus team. I think, I think that should be fairly easy. Uh, so I hope that that is actually what happens. And I hope I didn't just jinx us. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think we could see like a Zaniolo rested because you probably want him for a Fiorentina. I think, I think you're, they'll probably go with like that B plus kind of lineup where there will be some of the Carlos Perez's and stuff. That would be my gut instinct. Uh, we will see a couple of our old friends in this match because Gervinho and Bruno Perez both play for Trasbanaspor along with Marek Hamsik. So uh, some Serie A influence there. Do we know um, if the Turkish league has kicked off yet? 
Yes. Um, so they played today and won five one against a team I've never heard of. Um, <laughs> let's see if they've played any more matches. Let me see the standings here. Uh, no, that was the first match. So yeah, they kicked off and have played one match. So they're they're okay, slightly so, ahead of us. Yeah, so they got a head start. So we, we have to play our strongest, well, our, our most fit squad. Otherwise, we just get jumped. Yeah, could be. And, and they're coming in confident, I guess, with a 5-1 win. So something to, yeah. <laughs> to, to keep in mind. Um, you know, and then Roma does play Fiorentina on Sunday to open the, the league campaign. So we've got that coming up this week. So on CDT, we'll have plenty of preseason coverage continuing our under-23 countdowns. I know um, Bren wanted to get a Q&A with all of us, like a roundtable on the Abraham move, which we should be getting up uh, in the next couple of days. We have our Serie A roundtable preview, our Roma roundtable preview. I know Bren just put out a Q&A he did with uh, our Chelsea sister site, uh, getting some intel on Abraham. So lots of stuff coming up. And then all of our regular match day coverage resumes with, uh, you know, probable formations, previews, uh, match recaps, highlights, and uh, our Sinners and Saints will be back too. So lots of stuff coming up. Yeah. So uh, anything you want to leave the listeners with, Jimmy, after your first appearance here? Really happy to be here. But also, you know, if we're one of the top five spenders in Europe, shouldn't we have been invited to the Super League? (laughs) (laughs) We get get invited in 2024 when we start paying our bills. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Sean, any closing thoughts? I'll just get get ready for the week ahead. You just reminded me how much we actually have to do still. So, yeah. mentally preparing myself for that yeah we'll be getting back at it for sure uh i want to thank all of our listeners who weighed in plenty of questions you guys pretty much helped us write this episode with all your great questions uh and uh we'll probably be back early next week after the fiorentina match would be my uh my best guess unless something big happens in the mercato before then so thanks again everybody for listening and we'll talk to you soon Mm -hmm.